Welcome back, boys and girls, to the Michigan Realist, a podcast from a fan for fans with a bit of a realistic twist. My name is Tim Zeltwanger, and this is a podcast that is available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Apple. Welcome to the show. This is episode 12, a little bit of the Penn State review as well as the Rutgers preview. Uh, of course, last week, uh, the triple threat portion of the season is now officially over, and you can pretty much say it was a win all across the board. Uh, the Wisconsin-Michigan State-Penn State game, giving up 13-7-7 and in those three games. If you told me that at the beginning of the year, I probably would not have believed you, Um it went better than expected. Uh, not saying I didn't think Michigan couldn't win all three, because I did. Um, uh, if you remember, I forget, episode one or two, something like that. I predicted Michigan to go 11-1 and one this year. I mean, I thought we were going to be a good team. I thought we were uh, going to have something. Um, obviously, Shea Patterson coming in was going to be better. Uh, you know, everyone being a year older was going to be better. Uh, a little bit more experience was going to make us better. And I and look, we just needed a quarterback that was just going to play decent. And we have one right now that is playing uh, very decent and doing decent things. And we are being successful. Um, so, point being, I uh, definitely thought at the beginning of the year we could win these three. I didn't expect to win them in the fashions that we did. And it really speaks to, you know, what this team kind of stands for. And you're really starting to see a, you know, Michigan's always had the whole, you know, since Bo, the team, the team, the team. I'm going to tell you what, it's been a long time since Michigan has really felt like a team. And I don't mean that in the negative sense, as in, you know, the last few years or decade before this or, you know, the late 90s, whatever, that those teams weren't teams uh, because they were uh, or that they didn't get along or that things were, you know, in chaos or things like that. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying about this team is that they appear to be out for one another and watch out for each other and they are um, conscious of who's doing what and they want everyone to be successful and they really have this one goal in mind and you know whether it was Chase Winovich that started this whole revenge tour thing or not it has caught on uh, the players have really bought in. The player, they obviously have bought in. Uh, the fans are now buying in. Everybody's bought in to this whole revenge tour and the aspect of you know what's going on and getting revenge on the teams that beat up on us last year. Uh, so we we got Penn State and uh, we did to them what we did to Sparty and what we did to Wisconsin and you know were all three of those teams perfect. No. Were they completely healthy? No. Um, were they maybe a little bit overrated? You you might say that. Um, you know, but, but we're not sure. I mean, we still have all these games to be played, and if any, if last week's Big Ten slate was any indication, you know, it's hard to understand who's good and what's what and which way is up and which way is down. A uh, lot of weirdness is going on in the Big Ten. Things are happening that I was not expecting to happen. Um, and it just sort of speaks to what the year has been. Uh, but 
Point being, wins are wins. I've said it all along. No matter how you get them, you just need a W at the end of the day. Michigan is getting them, and they're looking pretty good doing it. Okay. So I got five takeaways from the forty-two to seven victory over Penn State. Um, the first one, and this is going to sound uh, pretty negative, which you can kind of take it that way. Uh, you know, and it's nitpicking. It really is. You know, it's hard to it's hard to have something negative after a forty-two to seven game. But my first takeaway really stretches through many of the games this year, and it's the lack of point production at times is hard to swallow, especially at the beginning of games. You know, you think back to this Penn State game and, you know, you ask anybody that just watched the game, fan or not, and just say, you know, who who dominated the game? They are obviously going to say Michigan totally, you know, destroyed Penn State in that game. Um, however, if you look back, that game was only a 14 to nothing ball game at halftime. Uh, yes, Michigan was playing well, and Penn State couldn't appear to get anything uh, going. You know, their very first play of the game was, I think, their most successful play of the game. Uh, it was a little 25-yard or 30-yard slant um, that connected, and that was it. Uh, but the the offense not putting points on the board was kind of a little bit disheartening, and it's 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 kind of a theme with the, with the team this year. It just seems early, we're just not putting points on the board. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if there's something behind it. Maybe it's purely coincidence. I have no idea, you know. But part of that may be, you know, uh, how things play out with the second half of these games. And maybe it's part of the whole uh, game plan to, to winning these games is just to wear teams out, you know, set certain things up, and just take it to him in the second half. You know, Ben Herbert, strength conditioning coach, again, mention him again. He has been wonderful, apparently. Uh, we, are, you know, knock on wood, uh, we're through nine games and we have avoided major injuries. You know, we've avoided little injuries. You know, we've had some here and there, yes. Rashawn Gary being out for a little bit, Tariq Black being out, yes. But for the most part, that's really it, and we've had people to replace them, and they've held up. Everyone's doing well. Maybe that's part of their, this team's M.O., is to not get that fast start, but <clears throat> control the game, and you know when second half comes, go ahead and take it to the other team. But when that first half is playing, man, it, it, at times it is, it's tough to deal with because you, you really feel as though Michigan's dominating the game but at the same time, they're not dominating the scoreboard. So, you know, will that come back to bite us eventually? I have no idea. Uh, you know, and again, this is nitpicking. We won 42-7, to seven, so the points were there at the, in the second half for sure. So, you know, either, either way, that was my first takeaway. Again, another game that was struggling to put up points in the first half. All right, my second takeaway from the game is the time of possession. Uh, you know, 37 minutes and change to 22 minutes and change. Uh, yes, it's amazing that's, you know, showing domination. But what makes that stat even more amazing, and again, it sort of speaks to the, I don't want to call it slow start, but the misleading start uh, for Michigan was that they had three three-play drives, okay, 
Um, <laughs> Michigan, that is. Uh, three drives they had were only three plays long. And still, the time of possession had that big of a gap. Plus, uh, Penn State had that five, you know, almost six-minute drive at the end of the game. Um, you hate to call it garbage time because we had a lot of our starters in the game at the time. But you gotta, you're at the end of a ball game and you're up 42 to nothing. You cannot help but think that you have got players that are maybe taking a thing, a playoff here and there, and, and just not playing as tough because they know they're gonna get the win. So something else that stood out, you know, that time of possession, such a huge gap, and that was with Michigan struggling on a few drives. Um, they're still able to hold on to that um, major gap. Of course, that 90-yard uh, drive they had, you know, at the beginning of the second half uh, definitely helped things uh, in the right direction there. Uh, third takeaway, uh, McSorley, he did not seem himself. You know, I know he was coming into the game a little bit banged up, it definitely appeared that way. He just looked off. Uh, not saying he was bad or anything like that, but he just didn't seem the same Trace McSorley. Um, I keep wanting to say Marty McSorley. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Trace McSorley, uh, he just didn't seem right. Uh, didn't seem as quick, as nimble. Um, still, a, still a great quarterback and still, uh, you know, held his own. Uh, but he definitely was not himself. And whether that was game plan issues, whether that was um, injury issues, I have no idea. He just did not seem to be himself at all. Uh, the fourth takeaway, again, I, I sort of already mentioned it, but, you know, <clears throat> this team's sort of screw everyone, you know, slash revenge tour, etc., etc., seems very, very real and something that these guys don't seem to be taking lightly, uh, you know. The baseball swing that some of the players were doing after big plays to mock McSorley and what he was doing against them last year. Uh, you know, the swimming motion uh, DPJ was doing, uh, you know, to mock uh, <coughs> Saquon Barkley, who was doing that last year. You know, th these guys, <laughs> obviously, these guys have this in their brain and they are thinking uh, about what happened last year so this whole revenge tour like i said everyone is bought into this um and you know the post-game comments from players from coaches the the score itself the stadium the crowd everything seems to be infectious with this whole revenge tour you know stadium wise somebody had played a clip I, you know i wasn't at the game but stadium wise evidently it was to the point where there were portions of the game that the DJ was playing Zombie Nation, Sweet Caroline, and a couple other, you know, Penn State songs simultaneously, <laughs> like at the same time, um, just sort of sticking it in their face and, uh, you know, really taking it to them. Again, everybody seems to be on board with this, the players especially, and you know, uh, you just hope it continues at least through November 24th. And um, I don't know. We'll see how that one goes. But uh, as for right now, this whole revenge tour, everyone's bought in. It's The, the results are panning off. You know, are paying off. Um, it's looking good. It's looking good. So hopefully that can continue. We'll see. Uh, my fifth and final takeaway is that 
after this game and going into the Rutgers game, the Michigan defense is flirting. Okay, the flirting. Not saying this is going to happen, but the defense is actually flirting with allowing under 200 yards a game. Okay, right now they're at 216 yards uh, that they're they're allowing each game. That's almost 50 yards better than the second place team. That's pretty amazing. Well, uh, this weekend will be their tenth game. All right, and right now they're sitting at I think. Uh, 1946, one, you know, 1,946 yards, meaning if they can hold Rutgers to under 54 yards, then Michigan will leave the Rutgers game allowing under 200 yards a game through 10 games in a Power 5 conference. Are you, t- are you kidding me? That would be tremendous. That would be amazing. Now, <laughs> I did this, so you may be doing this as well. Uh, and I know Michigan's played, obviously, really well on defense recently, so maybe it's not as far-fetched. But if you're sitting there saying there is no way in the world Rutgers will not get 54 yards, okay, that's what I thought, too. And then I started thinking, well, hold on. A couple years ago, we went to Piscataway and beat them 78 to nothing. Let me go take a look at the yardage in that game. Well, in that game, uh, another 2016-type performance... Michigan had 600 yards of offense, only allowed 39 to Rutgers. 39 yards. (laughs) So 54 is not that far-fetched. Now, obviously, that defense had a lot of NFL talent. Not saying that this defense doesn't, but that team has players that are currently in the NFL, and they're currently... um, Getting big, you know, playing time in there, and they're and they're playing a lot. Who knows? Maybe this team can do it. Uh, you know, there's nothing gained from it. I just think that would be kind of cool to be ten deep, you know, ten games deep into a season, and your defense is allowing less than 200 yards a game. That would be tremendous. That would be exciting. Um, looking forward to that possibility maybe happening. We'll see. All right, it's going to take a lot of focus from the from the fellas and. You know, I worry that going to play Rutgers, you can kind of lose some focus. But that is a good segue to the Rutgers preview. Well, with this preview, I'm not even really sure how to preview Rutgers. I mean, I started looking at uh, stat leaders. I started looking at uh, key leaders on the team and some of the stat lines I came across. It's not even worth saying, you know, <laughs> what they are, because uh, my goal is not to make, you know, to rub it in Rutgers' face, uh, but nothing is really standing out about this team. Nothing is really, nothing seems really good about this team, okay? Uh, this is a 1-8 ball club, who's obviously lost every Big Ten game they've played so far this year. Their only win is uh, their first game of the year. They beat, um, I think, Texas State uh, pretty handily, but that was their last win. Um, Things don't look well. Things are not going good for Rutgers. You know, they're 127th in total offense. Uh, In this game, Michigan fans are more than likely going to control the stadium and way outnumber the Rutgers fans. Uh, 
This Michigan team appears to enjoy beating the hell out of everyone, um, which can't bode well for Rutgers. Um, however, I tried to find some glimmers of hope for Rutgers. Uh, Northwestern only beat Rutgers by three. Okay, Wisconsin only beat them by a couple scores. All right. Now, they did have a 41-point loss to Kansas. Not exactly helping the resume, but... Northwestern's probably going to play in Indianapolis uh, for the Big Ten title, and they only beat this Rutgers team by three. That's a little bit of hope. Okay, you never know. And I think that game was even at Northwestern, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, there's there's that. Uh, then you get to the form. Uh, you know, the form coming in. Michigan's, uh, you know, usually look at the last five games. Well, Michigan's got five wins. Rutgers has five losses. Not looking good there. Um, however, with all that said, uh, college football can be weird. I've said it before, okay? Uh, but, like I've said before as well, this Michigan team doesn't appear to be the type of team that would overlook somebody and take this game lightly. Okay, especially in this era, this you know playoff era, it it would be an advantage to for Michigan to make Rutgers look like Rutgers. Um, you know, no need to let the foot off the gas. Uh, maybe let new players do it. Okay, you don't run the starters the entire game, um, and you let second, third string players play. But even me right now, I'm sitting here talking, and I'm taking things for granted. Okay, I am. I am not being real. I'm not doing what I said I was going to do. And my son is only five years old, okay? Michigan has lost to Rutgers in New Jersey during his lifetime, okay? So for as bad as everyone says Rutgers is, and here I am saying, talking about second and third stringers, (sighs) things are differently, yes. Yeah, I understand things are different. That Brady Hoke coach team was an absolute mess, a dumpster fire waiting to implode. Uh, and this is not. This is clearly a much better team. I understand that, and it should be better. But the point is, the team wearing the lovely maize and blue wingtip helmets lost a game in Rutgers in the last five years, Okay. Many people might not uh, realize that, might not understand that. So it's because of that that I'm hoping the players don't take this lightly. I'm hoping that there's focus. I'm hoping that they use this as an opportunity. I'm hoping that the defense is the type of defense that is thinking the same thing I'm thinking, and they're saying, hey, you know what, guys? Let's try and let them to no more than 54 yards, and let's try and get to that you know, below 200-yard a game mark. Um, that would be awesome. Okay, uh, you, you want to talk about being, uh, uh, or, or, or you know, uh, being a, new, a different mindset and having a good mindset and and really being different from Michigan teams of of the last few years, that would be something to really keep the foot on the throat and know the foot's on the throat and really stick to and plan on um, having things go well for them. Uh, and, and dominating a team, you know, in, in these sort of ways and sort of fashions. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Um, but Michigan doesn't owe anybody anything. Um, and again, I think this team lives up to that. You know, I do expect to see Joe Milton 
Um, I do expect to see Brandon Peters. You know, I do expect to see True Wilson get a lot of run. I do expect DJ Turner to get a lot of run. Amari Samuels to get a lot of run. I expect many players, you know, many players that bust their butts in practice. You know, Jim Harbaugh loves good effort. He loves practice people. He loves practice players. There are probably a ton of guys who bust their tail during practice but don't get to see much of the field that everyone's hoping gets to see the field. So that hopefully builds on each other, and you've got the starters wanting to get the, you know, put the game away so all these other players can play and show their stuff. You know, I don't know. Michigan's got a lot of players that are from New Jersey, you know, so that's going into it as well. I I don't know. You know, the quote-unquote team feel of this squad sort of appeals to those second and third stringers, and I think they're going to get a lot of time, and I think they're going to do really well. Um, My prediction, I got this one being a blowout. You know, it's hard for me to say... You know that it's going to be any worse than seventy-eight to nothing a couple years ago. So I'm giving Rutgers the benefit of the doubt there. I'm going to go ahead and say sixty-three to six. Michigan wins this going away, uh, sixty-three to six. I just don't see how Rutgers is able to do anything. Um, now, opening kickoff could happen, and all of a sudden Rutgers could you know light the world on fire and could be the best thing. Um, in a while. College football can be weird. I just don't see it when it comes to Rutgers. So I'm going to stick with that. 63-6, to Michigan gets the victory, moves on to their home finale next week. The old Hoosiers come into town before the lovely annual tussle with the old Buckeyes in Columbus. All right. All right, finally, my, uh, my take of the show. Uh, content of the week. Uh, a little bit different spin this week. Just something I found funny. Uh, it's nothing really that does deals with the uh, you know the week to week happenings of college football this year, but rather a nice little nugget I found on the old Twitter sphere uh, that speaks to ridiculous fandom, lack of patience, uh, unrealistic expectations. Um, it speaks to a lot of stuff. And it just shows how dumb uh, college football fans can be. All right? Let me take you back. The year was 2007. Okay? Uh, The Alabama Crimson Tide recently hired a coach by the name of Nicholas Saban. All right? That particular year, Alabama goes out and they lose a game to University of Louisiana Monroe. UL Monroe, whatever you want to call them. Alabama loses a game to Louisiana Monroe. Afterwards, okay, I forget who sent the tweet out, but afterwards, somebody was able to dig up comments after that game. They read like this. Uh, Here are some of the fan comments from Alabama fans. Quote, why is this guy considered good? He had one good year at Toledo, excuse me, one good year at Michigan State, and one good year at LSU. Congratulations. End quote. Yeah. Second one, quote, uh, his college record is 97, 47, and 1. 
Is that worth $32 million? I think not. End quote. And the final one, quote, Not only is this guy an idiot, he's a bit of a wacko. End quote. I love it. Freezing cold takes that are absolutely wrong uh, and didn't have a bit of realism to it. You know, I understand being a fan, but nothing's really gained uh, at that moment in Nick Saban's career to really, you know, uh, crucify him the way Alabama fans were. I know it was Alabama, and, you you know, you've got the red and white uniforms and the numbers on the helmets. Uh, it's a big deal, tradition. But Bama was in a tough spot at the moment, okay? They had they had struggled through, you know, they had a couple of decent, you know, good years prior to 2007, but a lot of them prior to that were either at or below 500, okay? They were, they were in need of some help, and they, it required a little bit of patience, okay? Those fans... And that was only a couple of the quotes. Those fans gave him zero patience uh, and immediately started talking trash about him. And <clears throat> five national championships later, it looks pretty foolish now. Okay, Point being, uh, be real about some things. These are college athletes. This is college football. Um, I know at times it can seem like professional sports uh, because of the way that some things are certainly treated as though this is professional athletics. Uh, it is not, okay? Again, college kids, college coaches, uh, things take time. Not many times can you snap your fingers and all of a sudden programs are back to what they were, okay? Even Michigan. Michigan, uh, a lot of people I've heard all week, uh, they say Michigan is back. I don't know that. <clears throat> I don't know that yet for sure. It kind of feels like they are... They're in a spot now where they're going to do good more than bad. Um, whether they're back or not, I'm not sure. Uh, however, it's taken some time. I mean, uh, yeah, I love Jim Harbaugh being the coach, but this is his fourth year, okay? He didn't do I – mean, in year one, yeah, the record was decent, but we still got blown out by Ohio State um, and still didn't – you know, couldn't beat Utah on the road and, uh, you know, couldn't beat Michigan State. Um, so, you know, it happens. Things take time. Uh, you need turnover. You need, you need to recruit. You got to do things. So it could even happen, (laughs) excuse me, could even happen to Alabama is my point here. Um, and Alabama was in this situation where they were struggling year in, year out, made a great hire. He has got things turned around and he has won five national championships that is unreal um kudos to them and kudos to those fans for being fans but just not really not really being realistic so all right that was my take of the show again really nothing to do with this year i just came across it found it interesting um and just wanted to talk about a little bit so that's that uh, my final thing will be the uh, around the Big Ten, um, picking the Big Ten games this week. Well, not a good week last week, and I mentioned it at the top of the show how this has been a uh, a weird year to try to figure out who's good and who's not. You know, uh, Minnesota's one team that stands out. I, I don't know what Minnesota team to believe in. Uh, you know. 
you get the one you know, ones that are getting boat raced by teams. You get the ones that are doing the boat racing on teams. You know, don't pardon the pun. I said that on purpose. Uh, but they're str- Do they struggle? Are they good? I have no clue. Okay, is that because of them? Is that because of the, because of the teams they're playing? Not a single clue in the world. Okay, uh, so last week I went two, three, and one. Okay, my first losing week. Uh, not good. Puts me at 27, 10, and 2 all year. Um, reminder that most of those games are picked straight up, not against the spread. Um, but uh, college football can be weird. Gambling's hard. What can I say? Anyway, uh, this week <clears throat> we've got, we're just going to go straight up this week. Because uh, there's a lot of games that honestly could go either way. Uh, I really truly feel that, so... We're not even going to worry about the point spreads. We're just going to go straight up. All right. Uh, Start with the big one, Ohio State at Michigan State at Sparty. Uh, I've got to think. I've just got to think that this Buckeye team will get something to put together and look like Ohio State should look. I've just got to think it's going to happen. Um, This is a big game for them. Uh, It's a game they could easily lose. Uh, however, I it's a game that they could win. It's a game they really should win. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pick the old Buckeyes to go to East Lansing, get the victory, uh, which would hopefully continue that path towards setting up a uh, a ten and one versus ten and one on November 24th there in Columbus, which would be pretty big. So we'll go with Ohio State winning that game. Uh, Wisconsin at Penn State. Uh, Wisconsin seems uh, to be, I don't know if in a slide seems like the best, you know, word to use, but I'm not sure who they are right now, and I'm not sure they are either. Uh, Penn State's ego's got to be a little bit bruised after last week. It's in Happy Valley, you know, it's not a night game, but it's at Happy Valley, so I'm going to go with Penn State to get the win there. Uh, and, and knock off Wisconsin. Uh, Illinois at Nebraska. I'm going to go ahead and give it to Scott Frost, even though Illinois is another team. Uh, all of a sudden, you you look at them, and Illinois, I believe, is on the verge of being bowl eligible. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that turns out for them. But i got to think uh, the Frosties, Scott Frosty in, uh, uh, in Nebraska there is going to get the victory, and I'm going to go ahead and go with the whole Huskers to get it done. Um, another uh, team on the cusp of bowl eligibility are the old Terrapins. Uh, they're traveling to Bloomington this week, taking on Indiana. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and... I thought Maryland wouldn't put a better performance last week against Michigan State. They did not. Okay, they, It was a uh, it was a big old struggle fest. Uh, again, the one dimension of, of this team... Does not bode well for anybody. However, I'm going to have faith in the Terps and say they go on the road and they know what the end of the year is going to be like. And I think this, getting this victory now would be huge. Um, you know, I believe they have Michigan State. Uh, or no. No, I'm sorry. Ohio State. They have Ohio State and Penn State left. Uh, so get it done now, Maryland. Um, I'm going to pick the old Terrapins to do it. All right. Uh, big one for the West. Uh, this could essentially settle it this very weekend. Uh, Northwestern at Iowa. Um, I feel like it already is settled. 
I don't see Northwestern losing uh, the rest of the way besides maybe this game. But, uh, and in doing that, it w- would bode well for them and they would uh, find themselves in the, in the Big Ten title game probably. So, um, I'm going to go with Iowa uh, at home hosting Northwestern. I'm going to go with Iowa to win this and just make it just a little bit interesting. You know, <clears throat> everybody's kind of... Uh, thrown out Iowa not being able to get there and yeah, I think if they get a win this weekend all of a sudden you know Northwestern starts thinking about it and maybe they drop one of these last games to in Illinois you know a team they shouldn't lose to and just throws it into chaos and next thing you know Kirk Ferentz does end up in the Big Ten title game I don't know I just uh I think I'm gonna go with Iowa here Iowa's starting the ball towards possibly a little bit of Big Ten West chaos okay and finally, the final one, Purdue at Minnesota. Because it's in Minnesota, and because it seems like it's Minnesota's turn to be good, I'm going to go ahead and actually take the Gophers in this one. Uh, you know, Purdue, obviously the big win against Ohio State's kind of lost its luster. Uh, doesn't really appear you know, as great as it did in the moment. Uh, it wasn't, or isn't as great in the, as it was in the moment right now. I'm just going to say uh, old P.J. Fleck gets it done, and they, uh, they're they able to beat Purdue on their own field. I'm going to go with the Golden Gophers to knock off Purdue. So, in conclusion, my picks this week, obviously Michigan, okay, uh, Ohio State to get the win, Penn State to get the win, Nebraska, Maryland, Iowa, and Minnesota all getting the win as well, okay? So that is it for that. Um, my playoff rankings, I'm just going to mention it. Uh, what the committee came out with, the top six they had, is exactly what I was thinking. Okay, uh, It's just the way it is. Uh, you know, As the rest of the weeks tick off and, and, play, all, and play out, uh, obviously things are going to change. Teams are going to play each other. Uh, we could get into the debate about who controls their own destiny, who doesn't. Um, I don't really want to get into that right now, uh, just because there is so much that can happen, and there's so many different things that could that could uh, take place. And I, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, we're just gonna stick with it right now. That would be the uh, the uh, route I would take: Bama one, Clemson two, Notre Dame three, and Michigan four, with Georgia and Oklahoma looking in. Okay. So that is it for this week. Uh, before we take on the old Rutgers Scarlet Knights, uh, just a reminder that this is the Michigan Realist. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or concerns about the show, please don't hesitate to let me know at zeltwanger40 at outlook.com. That is it. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, and go blue. All right, welcome back, boys and girls, to another edition of the Michigan Realist, a podcast from a fan for fans with a bit of a realistic twist. My name is Tim Zeltwanger, and this podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Apple. Welcome to the show. This is episode 13, a little look back at the uh, Rutgers game and a look ahead to the Indiana game here for the old Wolverines. Um, 
kind of a uh, ho-hum kind of game here uh, last week against Rutgers. Uh, you know, 42-7 to against Rutgers. Uh, you know, yeah, it just kind of is, is what it is, you know. Uh, it's Rutgers. Um, you know, just kind of uh, listening to other people talk that were at the game and the atmosphere of the game and the experience of the game and just just how yeah. Rutgers is kind of an embarrassment to the Big Ten. I mean, I hate to say it, you know, I know I know the TV money talks and they got the New York market, but but man, it just doesn't feel like a Big Ten team, you know, with with Maryland, I kind of with Maryland it's different. I don't necessarily feel like Maryland isn't a Big Ten team. I feel like Maryland is an ACC team. Just because it grew up, you know, watching them, you know, battle Duke and Virginia and all the other ACC teams. Maryland just feels like an ACC team, but we can take them in the Big Ten and we can, and and things, things will be okay with Maryland. With Rutgers, I just kind of feel like they have no identity and it certainly is not uh, in the Big Ten. It just, uh, just doesn't fit, um... You know, as of right now, I know things change and, and, you know, things happen in cycles and this and that. But at the same time, you know, it just does not feel like a squad that, you know, belongs in the Big Ten. So just a little uh, takeaway from that, you know, not gonna, it's not going to change. Like I said, money talks and uh, they definitely are bringing in the money with the New York market. So kind of is what it is. And we're going to have these terrible games like we saw uh, last Saturday um, with Michigan and Rutgers. Um, so, with that said, I'd like to get into my uh, five takeaways from the game. Um, you know, first one is, I feel like I've, I've said it many times this year, just the, uh, the early point struggle continues. Uh, we get these drives going at the beginning of the games, and out of nowhere, they just stop. They just stall out. And we don't get any points. And, you know, I I get irrationally, you know, pissed off at, at uh, the fact that we're not converting and putting any points on the board. You know, n- not taking into account that, hey, we have 60 minutes to play. There's a whole lot of game left. If Michigan has shown anything this year, it is as the game goes on, they get better. Still, we're not putting the points up. And it's just hard to deal with it, you know. Our close games this year, and and I consider we had two of them, our close games this year were pretty much only close because of our inability to score early. Okay, the Notre Dame and the Northwestern game. If you think back to both of those games, uh, obviously we lost to Notre Dame, but ladies and gentlemen, we dominated quarters two through four uh, of that game. Um, that's not to say I'm not, I'm not going to sit up here and say, Hey, we should have beat Notre Dame, uh, and this and that, you know, we didn't get it done at the time and a loss is a loss. It happens. You got to win the games in front of you, but we went down early. I think Notre Dame scored on what their first two or three drives there. And we were down a couple scores immediately. And with a new offense, you know, with Shea getting his first game, uh, you know, um, here at Michigan and the O-line and, and just everything was new. And because we didn't get it done early, we weren't able to get it done late. We just didn't have enough firepower to get it in the end. So that close game hurt us there because we couldn't score early. Th- that's a loss. 
The other close game this year ended up being a win is the Northwestern game. You know, we're down, what, 17 to nothing or 17 to 3, whatever it was, early in that game, just because we couldn't put points up early. They could, you know. Um, and you're playing with fire there. If you go so many games where you're not scoring early and you, uh, you're having to play catch-up. You know, luckily, thankfully, this was Rutgers. And despite not putting points up early, uh, it's still Rutgers, and you're going to be okay. Um, it just... We're coming up to... We're, we're now basically in the final stretch of the year. There's not an easy game left on the schedule. Um, the easiest, yes, would be Indiana. And should we beat Indiana? Absolutely, I think we should beat Indiana. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a senior day game. Um, it, you know, it is senior day. It's the final home game. It's the last time a lot of these guys are going to be playing in the big house. And you don't know what nerves are going to be like. You don't know what uh, the weather could be like. There's lots of different factors that could go into play. And it's the week before the game. So you got to wonder where everyone's head is at. And in that sense, this is a difficult game coming up. All right? Not saying the opponent is necessarily difficult when compared to Michigan. But the situation is difficult. All right, and then obviously November 24th speaks for itself. Okay, and then after that, hopefully, not you know, not certain, but hopefully, there's a Big Ten title game against Northwestern. Oh my god, Northwestern already clinched the West. More on that later, anyway. Um, and then after that, you've got the bowl game, possibly a playoff game. Who knows? Um, but they're going to be good opponents. No matter who you line up, there's going to be a good opponent, and it's going to be an opponent that's going to play you tough, and it's going to be difficult. So if you can't score early, you're just making these games that much more difficult. So we got to get that turned around, and hopefully things will change when they matter. Okay? You know, our, our triple threat part of the season, um, you know, with the exception of the Michigan State game, we kind of struggled early there. You know, I'm not sure if that was more of a weather issue or or what that was. But, you know, the Wisconsin and the Penn State game, we didn't have that issue at all. You know, those games were at home. Michigan State was on the road. We did sort of struggle. Northwestern was on the road. We did struggle early. Um, We're going to Columbus. So that's on the road. So it's not looking good here. We need to score early. Not saying we got to put a touchdown up every single first, second, third, fourth, fifth drive of the game, but you've got to do something, especially when you're showing that you're dominant enough to score. I guess that's the most frustrating part, is that these drives are looking great. They're looking grand. We're moving the ball. We're converting on third down. We're mixing and run with pass. We're, you know, we're picking up good yardage on first down. And then all of a sudden, it's like we, we run three plays that go nowhere. We stall out and we got a punt. Um, or we kick and Nordine misses a field goal. Or whatever it happens to be. Um, we just got to convert and we've got to get these points on the board. Hopefully we will do so the rest of the way. All right. Anyway, that was my, my first takeaway from this Rutgers game. Uh, second takeaway is it, it seemed pretty obvious that the playbook was scaled back 
and there were directives that were given to people <laughs> you know this was Shea Patterson's first collegiate game ever that he didn't have a single carry uh, you know that had to be by design there's no way um, that that wasn't a directive from the coaching staff hey Shay don't get touched today um, and hopefully that's the same uh, same directive you know this coming weekend against Indiana uh, probably gonna be scaled back as well in that game it seemed clear that that was the case for this now <clears throat> that's not saying we didn't throw the ball around because we did we have uh, you know, we, we, we definitely were, were tossing the ball around and running some different things here and there. and uh, But it just was very, very basic. And it was, you know, let's just do, let's, let's execute simple stuff and get this win and get out of here is what it really, really felt like, um, which is good. Uh, you know, and back to Shea on those uh, read option plays. There were many, 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 many times that he could have pulled it and kept the ball and took it off. Uh, but for the greater good, he did not, you know, um, be, because right now, uh, once that Penn State game ended, uh, no disrespect to Rutgers or Indiana, but the message is keep healthy for Columbus um, because we have not gone into Columbus uh, with a uh, our usual, I don't know how to put it, usual starting entire year quarterback in a long time. Um, you know, there's always been some sort of issue, whether it was, you know, Denard versus Devin Gardner, who plays, um, whether it was, uh, you know, Spates hurt, so John O'Corn's going to play, um, or whatever it happens to be. It's been a while since we've gone there and had our QB and our offense and everyone was healthy, no, uh, you know, no huge injuries going into it. Hopefully we get through this Indiana game the same way, but it really seemed like that was priority number one last week was to keep everyone healthy, okay? That was my second takeaway. Third takeaway is I've said it just about every single podcast I've done. College football is weird. College football can be weird. You know, I kind of feel like a jackass in last week's podcast talking about Rutgers and how, you know, if Michigan could hold them to 50 so yards or whatever, you know, they would have an average of less than 200 yards defensively, um, you know, giving up less than 200 yards uh, to their opponents. And what does Rutgers do? They go ahead and bust off an 80-yard touchdown by this kid, Pachaco, or whatever his name was. I don't know who he is, but the kid is fast as anything. Uh, he takes it to the house 80 yards later. So in one play, he kind of stuck it in my face uh, for what I was saying. Um, so I'll eat that with a little bit of humble pie. Um, but what's <laughs> what's weird about that is... Here you've got this vaunted Michigan defense who's playing well all year. They go play Rutgers. And what does Rutgers do? They break off the longest rush they have had since joining the Big Ten. Go figure that it comes against one of, if not the best defense in the country. All right. Uh, you know, this is all about college football being weird sometimes. Uh, it, it just things like this tend to happen things like this sort of happen uh here and there um 
But yes, that was. That that run by the Pachaco kid, that was the longest rush from scrimmage Rutgers has had since joining the Big Ten. Uh, thought that was a pretty cool stat uh, for them. And again, speaks to college football being weird because if I asked you, hey, what team does Rutgers have their longest run against You know, uh, since they've joined the Big Ten? Chances are your first guess is not going to be Michigan, okay? Well, it is. That's the answer to that trivia question um, until further notice. So it is what it is. Uh, you know, that particular play showed how important Josh Metellus was um, because I think I think that run, two people were to blame. Um, you know, Brad Hawkins filling in for Metellus. Um, I felt like he was most to blame on that. Uh, he didn't seem like he was taking good angles or anything on that play. Um, and and then couldn't obviously catch him, uh, although nobody could catch the kid. But um, uh, Metalis, I don't think, makes that mistake, and I think he's there uh, to make the tackle. Uh, the other person that kind of ruined that was, you know, Chase. Uh, I really felt like on that play, Chase was going for the highlight, you know, uh, eight, nine-yard loss in the backfield tackle. Uh, and he got duped, and the uh, running back took off the other way. So uh, those two had a, it. Just showed how important Metellus was. He was sitting out um, with a little slight injury. Um, again, it's Rutgers, so you know why not sit out? Uh, he was, and I, I just think that that run doesn't happen if Metellus is out there. Um, so uh, it is what it is. You know, good for them. It was a good runs, good play. Uh, the kid's got some wheels. Um, you know, he's fast and. Uh, Hopefully he can do something with that in the uh, doldrums of the Rutgers backfield or whatever they call it. I have no idea. Uh, Anyway, uh, takeaway four is, you know, this is a weird game to watch because I constantly felt like Michigan should be up by 50. Uh, But the scoreboard didn't show it. Um, You know, it just felt like Michigan was in control the entire game. They were doing what they wanted. Um, but again, they weren't putting in the points there. Uh, and they it, so obviously the scoreboard didn't show it. Um, you know, it is what it is, but uh, sometimes there's nothing wrong with those games when you can control the game. Um, and that leads me to my fifth takeaway. You know, last week my prediction was we were going to win 63-6. to um, You know, I had their end kind of correct. Uh, you know, they scored seven, but on our end, I didn't take into account for all the time we would be able to chew off the clock, just running it at will. And and that's what we were doing. You know, we were able to pick up lots of yardage, um, on every down it seemed like. So we were just eating up the clock and when you eat up the clock, obviously you're not scoring points. So that was part of it as well. So anyway, it is what it is. Um, those are my takeaways from the Rutgers game. Uh, I don't know if those games are fun or not. You know, uh, a win's a win. You know, I talk about that a lot too. You, you got to win the games that are in front of you, and obviously Michigan did. Um, but in terms of watching it, you know, the whole time I'm just hoping nobody gets hurt. Uh, I'm hoping we can, you know, 42 to 7 isn't enough. You know, part of me wants to score more and get in the 50s, get in the 60s. Um, and really, you know, take it to them, and um, you know. But there are, you're taking it to a team when you're winning 42 to seven. 
you know, and that's just keeping it real. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes that's hard for people to understand. Um, sometimes you do, but you know, uh, in this day and age, especially the way some conferences and teams score in the '60s and in the '70s, you're thinking when you're playing Rutgers, you know, you should be able to light them up. Uh, Kansas scored 55 on them. You know, and you're thinking if Kansas is hanging 55 on Rutgers, certainly Michigan's going to be able to. Um, not the case, though. But we're winning in a different way, just kind of dominating, asserting our will. Um, and it is what it is. A win's a win. Uh, moving on to 9-1. and one, It's all that matters. All right. Um, and speaking about this team getting a win, uh, just a little side note. You know, I mentioned the... I don't know if it was last podcast or the one before that. I mentioned the team aspect of this squad seems real. Um, they really seem together. You see a lot of interaction, offenses, offense and defense, and special teams and offense, and and everybody, you know, everybody's out for each other, and everybody is, you know, really has each other's backs, and it just it just feels like this is a team, and it seemed even more evident in this Rutgers game, you know. It was clear, clear who was going to win the game. Michigan was obviously going to win this game. Um, but everyone, whether they played, whether they didn't play, whether they were dressed, whether they were whatever, everyone remained engaged in that game. You know, uh, everyone was pumped when Oliver Martin finally got his first touchdown. You know, you saw him getting swarmed and mobbed, and, you know, they're excited for him. You know, Ambry Thomas getting his first pick of his career. Uh, they're all over him. Even Metellus, it was, it was, he was the one that drew my attention. You know, he was on the sideline waving the towel around, you know. you know, And it's in the fourth quarter, and we're, we're up 35. Um, so that was good to see. Um, just little things like that really make this seem like this team is something special. And hopefully they can keep riding this wave um, to bigger and better things at the end of the year. We'll have to wait and see. But it just feels like a good team. Um, Rashawn, uh, Rashawn Gary and Shea Patterson after the game, you know, they were the two that uh, drew the short straw, I guess, for the uh, post-game press conference. A lot of their comments, you know, the way they talk about each other, the way they talk about the uh, the rest of the team, the way they talk about the coaches, everything just really gives this the feel of a team, you know. And I hate to keep harping on it. I feel like I talk about it every week. But that's just, it's so evident that you just, I just feel like I have to talk about it every week because that's really been the story of this 2018 Michigan team, you know. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the feel, um, a lot of the team feel that this team has stems from last year, you know. A lot of these guys, most of the team was here last year. Uh, and they went through what, what, what happened last year, you know, the five losses. You know, they, they went through the debacle against Michigan State. They went through the uh, great scheme, you know, great uh, game plan, but inability to execute against Ohio State. You know, they were, they were there when we got thrashed at Penn State. You know, they were there when we couldn't score against South Carolina, and they ended up coming back and beating us. You know, these guys were all there. They went through those ups and downs, and it's paying off because they each know what it felt like last year, and here we are this year. They're out for each other. They have each other's backs. They seem more confident, and it's really paying off, and they are, they're working together, and hopefully this continues. Um, 
So anyway, that was my feel about the Rutgers game. We're going to put that, pack it away. Uh, we'll see them next year. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, poor, poor Rutgers. I mean, you hate to – I don't want to say that – because the, the Big Ten East is already loaded. Okay, it's already loaded with, you know, Ohio State, Penn State, us, Michigan State, um, Maryland's up and coming, you know, Indiana's sort of a little stepping it down a little bit, and then, and Rutgers, you know, I, I guess it's nice to have one team like that in your division um, that you can sort of beat up on, but at the same time, it, it is kind of embarrassing, um, and especially until we go to a a bigger playoff as long as we are in the situation of our conference is better than yours and we have that mentality Rutgers is not going to do us any good um, so we need we need to figure something out with them anyway Rutgers is done let's move on to Indiana what do you say um, previewing Indiana uh, the preview goes like this don't think about next week don't think about next week don't think about next week that's the preview, okay? Um, obviously, uh, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, November 24th, we have a little bit of a big game coming up. Uh, assuming uh, Ohio State takes care of business at Maryland, assuming we take care of business against Indiana, we're looking at a, I, I believe so, I'm doing this off the top of my head, but yeah, Michigan hasn't been there, so... I believe this is the first time that the East Division Championship uh, is decided on the final day of the regular season um, because finally we have Michigan and Ohio State uh, both in a good position of being an elite team and they're both here and they'll both be 10-1, and one, both heading into this game. Uh, you know, it's the big one. Uh, they they don't call it the game for nothing. Um, that's next week. We have a game to play this week. Uh, so that's the preview. Don't think about it. Don't think about the Buckeyes. Don't think about Columbus. Don't think about the Revenge Tour. Don't think about Ohio State. Let's stick to Indiana, okay? This is the, the true makings of a look-ahead trap game. You know, that the trap game is real here. And it is especially hard not to believe that this is really a trap game because of recent games against Indiana. All right? Feels like every year the Indiana game goes to either goes to overtime or it's decided by one score. I don't know what it is. You know, well, I do know what it is. It's been the state of Michigan football for a while now. But because of that, you sort of have this feeling like, oh, my God, we're, we're finally in a position where that game uh, against Ohio State is going to mean something again for both teams. Uh, let's not blow it. You know, please don't blow it. Please don't blow it. Um, so that, to me... Uh, in t as far as X's and O's and stats and all that about Indiana, I, I don't even want to look at that because, let's face it, roster to roster, Michigan is far superior. Okay, Michigan's defense is better. Michigan's offense is better. Michigan's players are better. Michigan's coaches are better. Everything about Michigan is better. Okay, but that doesn't always mean an equal wins. Plenty of teams have lost games they shouldn't have lost, okay? 
And I'm going to give credit to lots of other people on this point. Um, Nick Baumgartner, who does the uh, the Michigan rant. Um, John Borton, uh, I believe it was I believe it was Borton who was on the um, uh, the Wolverine.com podcast. Um, I want to say even uh, Steve Lorenz um, and um, Zach Shaw maybe on the uh, Wolverine Lounge mentioned the same thing, and it's this: when Jim Harbaugh back in 1986 uh, was quarterback in the Michigan Wolverines, he led them to a nine and zero season, uh, in which they had two games remaining. They had, obviously, the Ohio State game in Columbus at the end of the year. But before that week, <coughs> excuse me, before that week, they had the old Minnesota Golden Gophers. Okay. Uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers, led by Ricky Foggy, came into Michigan, came into Ann Arbor, and upset Michigan and basically ruined their chances of a national title. All right. Um, that happens. Michigan was better than Minnesota. That does not matter. Minnesota came in uh, because Michigan was looking ahead. Harbaugh even talked about it. And he admitted during that game that he wasn't as focused. Uh, he even fumbled during that game, and um, I lost sight of that. I, I didn't, uh, you know, I've seen it on, I've seen that on a box score, and I've seen it, you know, in the list of, of seasons and back then. But uh, come on, I, I was four years old at the time. <laughs> I'm not remembering back to this this era. So when you hear people talk about it, it is kind of intriguing, and it's really relatable to the situation that we're in right now. Don't overlook these opponents just because you have Ohio State coming up. All right, because anybody can beat anybody if the situation is right, and <clears throat> if the situation is right, Indiana's the type of team that'll take advantage of an opportunity if you give it to them. Uh, so let's not give them that opportunity. Uh, let's go ahead and secure it and win this game, and then we can divert all our attention to November 24th, Scarlet and Gray, everything about it. Okay, So get through this game. Don't think about next week. Focus on this week. Um, let's, let's, let's do that. All right. Uh, coincidentally, that was the uh, back going back to the Minnesota upset. Um, that was the same year that I guess Harbaugh must have been so pissed off about that result that that was the that was when the year he came out and he he guaranteed the victory, uh, guaranteed Michigan would go into Columbus and win. Um, so you know, the season's more remembered because of that. You know, he made this big declaration and he goes in there and they do actually win in Columbus. Uh, he finishes in the top five in the Heisman. So, outstanding year for him. But what's lost in that season is that was a national championship team. And Minnesota ruined that uh, the week before the Ohio State game. So, let's not fall into that trap. Uh, the other preview, make it through the game. You know, let's, let's if we can, let's kind of have the same feel as last week. Let's, you know, let's be strategic in our play calls and let's, Let's get some playing time to some people, and let's uh, let's not overplay people if they don't need to play. Now, if we're in the fourth quarter and it's a one-score game, then you keep the guys out there because that's that's where we're at. That's the situation we're in. But 
if we're lucky enough to be up a few scores um, in the second half and we have you know we have the ability to spread it around and play some different guys let's go ahead and do that you know let's 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 make it through the game without any huge injuries all right um, let's send the seniors out right you know this is well this is Harbaugh's fourth year so some of these guys are you could say Harbaugh recruits um, now many of them were not many of them I believe were already committed to um, were already committed to Brady Hoke uh, before he got fired uh, and they stuck around I know I want to say and, and I apologize I'm doing this off the top of my head um, but I want to say that Quran I don't know if Quran was committed before Harbaugh or after um, Tyree Kennel or Canal, however we say it. I know he was committed to Hoke, and then Hoke got fired, and he stuck around um, and stuck with Harbaugh when when he came in. Um, but as far as Karan, I don't know if I don't know if because I believe Karan was committed to Iowa, and then when Harbaugh came in, I think Harbaugh might have flipped him and got him to come to Michigan. Um, so maybe Higdon is a true Harbaugh guy. Um, Zach Gentry. I believe is a Harbaugh guy. Uh, you know, even though Zach actually has, um, this does not have to be his senior day. He can come back next year, I believe. Um, but uh, you know, he was an original guy. Uh, was supposed to play quarterback somewhere, and um, Harbaugh scooped him up, brought him to Michigan, changed him to a tight end. So uh, that's pretty cool. But anyway. Those guys are the ones that committed that year and in that time period when the the coaching change was happening. So this is kind of a big deal, um, you know, because from here on out, Harbaugh is going to be sending guys that he recruited uh, and that he um, put in place and and that he's got, you know, even the guys that leave early. You know, this could very well be Devin Bush's last game in the big house and Rashawn Gary's last game in the big house. He recruited all them, so these are his guys. You know, this is a special deal. You know, that first year uh, when Ohio State came in and thumped us uh, in the final game of the year, the final home game, um, a lot of those seniors weren't Harbaugh guys. You know, obviously they were there all year, and, and Harbaugh grew fond of them, sure. But it's got to be different when you when you actually recruit these guys and you you see them as a 16, 17-year-old and they mature and grow into this 22-year-old senior, that's, got, that's a huge deal, and that's got to be a different feeling. Um, so it's a special day, you know, control the emotions on that, and let's send them out right. And, you know, I would want, there would probably be no better send-off, you know, if I had to picture the perfect send-off, it would be in the big house, uh, you know, it's a four o'clock game, so it's going to end around seven o'clock. So it'll be dark. Lights will be on. Snow will be falling, and we're up a few scores. Whether it's up fourteen, up twenty-one, up twenty-eight, up twenty, whatever, and the fans are just chanting something about Ohio State. I think that would be the ultimate way to send these guys out. You know, uh, getting a victory. Everybody getting playing time in the big house under the lights. Lights are on. Snow is falling. 
everyone's chanting we won ohio or whatever we're gonna do whatever i just think that would be uh, a tremendous send-off for these guys so let's try and do that all right um now prediction wise uh again this team feels different uh it works together you know surprisingly here is michigan on november uh the game will be november 17th Here's Michigan, you know, sitting with maybe the best offensive line in the Big Ten, uh, the best defense in the Big Ten, the best offense in the Big Ten in terms of balance, okay? Um, you know, meaning we get just as much yardage on the ground as we do through the air, so you don't know what's coming. Um, so in terms of balance, it's a huge, it's a tremendous argument that Michigan has the best offense um, in the Big Ten. Um you know, in late Big Ten play, you know, here are these games in November, those are probably the best three things that a team can excel in. You know, have a good offensive line, have a good defense, and have a good balanced offense. If you can do that, you're gold, okay? And and that's what we are right now. We just got to keep it up and finish the job. And this team, I'm going to say it again, Team, the team, the team. This team feels like a finish the job sort of team. And they're not going to let this game be a tripping point. And it's going to be a good send off. I feel it coming. Hopefully, I'm right. Hopefully, my inclinations are correct about how this team will feel about this game. But my prediction I'm going to go ahead and say Michigan 37, Indiana 13. Uh, Michigan to win. I think the current spread is 28. So that would be a 24-point win. Um, so Michigan wouldn't cover, but I would have no problem with a win over Indiana at 37-13. to I'll take that any day of the week. Okay, Wins are wins, and if we get no injuries, no major concerns, no issues, I will be absolutely ecstatic with that. All right. So that's it. That's my, that's my uh, final prediction before we get into the final game of the year. Um, Michigan 37, Indiana 13. Good luck to the fellas on that one. Okay. All right. My final thing of the show here, or one of my final things of the show, is my uh, my uh, take of the show or my uh, content of the week. Um, and it comes down to playoff talk. All right. Is it just me or has this sort of seemed like the most anticlimactic set of release shows that the college football playoffs has ever had or what, okay? Um, there doesn't appear to be any sort of drama. There's been no drama. Uh, I, I want to say the last two weeks, the top ten has been exactly the same. <laughs> so nobody's changing spots yet. Um, so... Now, I really feel like it's going to change, and there are a couple of points that I don't feel like are being talked about enough, all right? And none of these really has to do with Michigan, because I'll be honest, I truly, and I honestly, I'm being real here, I truly and honestly could give a damn if Michigan gets into the playoff. I really don't care, all right? I, I don't care if we don't get to the Big Ten championship game. What I care about is winning November 24th. That's my number one priority. If if we do that, 
chances are the other stuff happens. So that's always priority number one for me. That's why I care so much about that game is because it is such a huge, huge game, such a good measuring stick because, let's face it, Ohio State has been the Big Ten. They've been the cream of the crop. They are the cream of the crop, and we need to start beating them in order to get Big Ten titles and get to playoff games. So right now, I could care less. I could give a damn if Michigan is in the playoff. All right, they could put Michigan five, six, seven, eight, nine. I do not care. We're not undefeated. We've lost a game. We still have a chance to do a lot, but we have other things in front of us. And as a Michigan, for any Michigan fans out there, don't feel the same. You don't quite understand what the dynamics are of this rivalry. All right, um, that should be number one. I would much rather beat Ohio State every single year than get to the playoffs every single year. Uh, I just would, and I gotta feel like most Michigan fans would feel the same way. So I preface this conversation with that none of these points about the playoffs really has anything to do with Michigan. It's just stuff that I, you know, um, uh, find interesting and I just think are not being talked about. Uh, but for me in the playoff, there's there's other things on the table I want to experience first, and I care about at the moment. Uh, like I said, going into Columbus. Uh, you know all those other things. Um, go, yeah, things I care about going into Columbus with the quarterback that we started the year with. Uh, you know, and a damn good competitive team that's able to get the job done. You know, that would be before the playoffs. I would care to do that. Uh, and then playing in Indianapolis for the Big Ten title that would be something before the playoffs. Just to name a few. You know, because all the other Big Ten East teams. Uh, elite or top of the you know Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, they've all had the opportunities to do that. Okay, um, they've all beaten Ohio State recently in some way, shape, or form in the last few years, um, and they've all played in the Big Ten title game in some way, shape, or form in the last few years. Uh, Michigan has not, and we're talking about the supposed winningest program in college football. So uh, I don't know. Anyway, let's do the other stuff first. Let's beat Ohio State. Let's uh, let's do that before we even worry anything about the playoffs. All right. Okay. Anyway. Um, oh, and speaking of that, uh, the Big Ten title game. You know, I said I'd, uh, earlier I'd, I'd talk about it later, but just a side note. I, I'm not sure what to think about the fact that Northwestern has clinched the division at six and four on November 10th. The, I. What is that all about? You know, um, what does that say about where we are? <laughs> you know, uh, going into the year, everyone said Wisconsin this, Wisconsin that, Iowa this, Iowa that. Uh, neither one of them are to be found, and and they've allowed a different team to win the division with two or three weeks left in the year. Uh, I'm not sure. There's six and four for crying out loud. Hypothetically, I don't think they will, but hypothetically, they could lose their last two games and we could have a 6-6 six and six team playing for the right to be the Big Ten champion. Wow. Okay, I'm not saying that this is like a year-in, year-out problem, but fellas, something's not looking good for the West there, you know. All of a sudden, Scott Frost is, is uh, realizing that he did make a terrific decision because um, he's looking around at this division saying, uh, 
this is who we got to beat? Uh, yeah, uh, sign me up for that. Um, so I'm not sure what to think about that. You know, good for Northwestern because Northwestern's been that team in the Big Ten that every year the season's played out and every year it just feels like, okay, there's Northwestern with nine wins or ten wins. How'd they do that? <laughs> and, uh, you know, here they are, ironically, in a year where they're only going to cap, you know, top out at eight wins. They're going to be playing in the Big Ten Championship. Um, so good for him. Good for Pat Fitzgerald. He definitely deserves it. They are definitely one of the most underrated teams, I think, out there just because they are such a well-coached team. Um, and they're not getting the three, four-star, five-star athletes. You know, they're doing that with coaching uh, and good coaching at that. So it's good to see them finally get rewarded a little bit. Good on them. I'm just not sure what that says about the Big Ten as a whole. Okay. Anyway, um, back to the playoff. The, the points that I feel like are not being talked about enough. Uh, the first one is that, you know, nobody seems to be bringing up. Nobody's talked about it yet. Now, I don't know if they will once the end of the year comes. But with regards to Notre Dame, nobody's bringing up their the lack of a conference championship game for them. Okay, nobody nobody's said anything about that. Everybody talks about, well, yeah, if Notre Dame's undefeated, Notre Dame's going to get in. And I'm not saying Notre Dame shouldn't get in, but nobody's talked about you know them getting passed up by a one-loss team. Uh it can't be as far-fetched as as you know people think it would be. There's something about it that I'm sorry. It, it just it's not fair. It's not fair that you could have um, just going through the playoff rankings. You could have Alabama, okay, who's going to play in an SEC title game, so they're going to have to play an extra game. You're going to have Clemson that's going to have to play in the ACC. There's an extra game. You're going to have Michigan who hypothetically, whether it's Michigan or Ohio State, they're going to be playing in the Big Ten title game, um, so they've got an extra game. Uh, Georgia will have played an extra game. Uh, you'd have to think that if Washington State or West Virginia uh, is in the mix, they're going to have to have, have played an extra game. Oklahoma will have to have played an extra game. Nobody's talking about Notre Dame not having to play an extra game. And I'm sorry, that's not fair. Uh, you know, if, let me, if Georgia goes and knocks off Alabama, and Notre Dame stays undefeated, I don't know how you couldn't put Georgia ahead of Notre Dame. Um, and you could even still make the case that Alabama could be in over Notre Dame. Um, I, I, just on the basis of fairness alone, again, I'm not saying that Notre Dame, even if they had a championship game, they wouldn't win it. I'm not saying Notre Dame's a bad football team. That's not my argument at all. But there is something not fair about it. Um, uh, for that reason, it's an extra game that these other teams have to play. You know, maybe it's not, you, you know, maybe the way to look at it is it's not, you know, it's not, don't look at it in the way as it's, it's, it's not an extra way that they would lose. 
because um, maybe those teams would win, okay? Yes, Clemson's going to play an extra game. Chances are they're going to win. Bama, chances are they're going to win. Ohio State or Michigan, chances are they're going to win. You know, uh, whoever else it may be. Chances are good that they're going to win. But that's not the case. Maybe it's not a loss that happens. Maybe it's the wear and tear that it provides on a team. That's just not fair. Uh, and there's no level playing field to that. You know, there has to be some way to even that out. You know, Notre Dame has got to join a conference. Like, join a conference for good. Uh, I'll be honest, the ACC could use you right about now. How awesome would a Notre Dame and Clemson ACC championship game be? That would be tremendous. Um, and the ACC could benefit off that. You know, instead we do this five-game, six-game deal with the ACC so we can sort of dip our toe in the conference water, but then at the end of the year, we don't have to have the ramifications of playing an extra game. I'm sorry, that's garbage. Um, something needs to be done about that, and that needs to be taken into account, and hopefully it will be. Like I said, it hasn't been talked about, or I haven't heard it talked about yet, but hopefully when these conference championship games happen and these results happen, maybe hopefully then it does get talked about. We'll just have to wait and see. Okay. Uh, so that was the first thing that I kind of took away that was not being talked about. Um, the other thing, point number two, is nobody's talking about Ohio State. Okay. Now, I understand the, the loss to Purdue does not look good, especially after last week. Purdue got thumped by Minnesota. I understand that. Doesn't look good. I get it. I do. I get it. It was a terrible loss. You're absolutely right. College football is weird, though. Things like that happen sometimes from time to time. But nobody's talking about Ohio State. And everybody seems to say that if Michigan wins out, they're going to be in. They can't see the committee leaving Michigan out if they win the rest of their ballgames. And that's fine. Whatever. If we're in, we're in. If we're not, we're not. I don't care. Well, if Ohio State wins out, they would have a better win on their resume than we would. And they'd have the same record as us. Okay? Now, I know the loss wouldn't be the same. You know, our loss to Notre Dame would be better than their loss to Purdue. However, you know, you want to talk about teams that are, 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 are you know... Excuse me. Games that teams go out and win. You want to talk about that? Well, again, Ohio State winning out would give them a win over a top four team. Um, so why couldn't they get in? I don't know. Um, you know, the Buckeyes may not look like they have in recent years, but they're still talented. And a win over Michigan could be a springboard uh, for them to be in a factor. So I, I don't know. Um, just something that uh, I was noticing that not a lot of people are giving Ohio State any credit, but they're in essentially the same position we are. Um, and again, beating us would give them a better win on their resume than we have. And if we can get in by winning out, you'd have to think that they should be able to get in by winning out as well. I don't know. Um, and then the final thing is uh, point number three about this whole playoff thing. You know... I think about it every time, but I'm sorry, but but eight teams has to happen, okay? 
I, I am tired of the conference banter back and forth. This conference is better than that conference because on this particular date, this team beat this team by this many points. And it is such garbage. It Things are different. Um, things can happen in a game are different. For God's sakes, weather can play a factor in the outcome of games. You can't always do this, and we can't keep doing this. You know, our conference is better than your conference because this, 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 and this. No. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and let every one of these major conferences play out their season, play out their conference champ, whatever, okay? Even if you want to get rid of that, that's fine. They're not going to because that's a lot of money. But play everything out. And if you're the last team standing in these Power 5 teams, or excuse me, Power 5 conferences, then you guys are in. And there's five spots right there. ACC, SEC, Big 12, Big 10, and Pac-12 champs are all in. Throw in the best at large team so UCF can stop crying about they don't get a shot. Uh, you know, And then take the two best at large teams. And that can be your argument every year. Okay. Let's argue whether, you know, you know, which two teams left are most deserving. Let's do that because five conference championship <coughs> oh, excuse me. Five conference champions are deserving. And they have earned the right to be in the playoff. Um, the best at large team, assuming they're undefeated, they've earned the right. Uh um and then we can argue over these last two teams. You know, let's do that instead of try to bicker about these four um, spots because there's so much unnecessary controversy uh, that would be avoided, um, especially this year when you could have not two, but you could have three Power Five conferences left out of the playoff, okay? We spend a majority of our time watching these Power 5 teams and these Power 5 conference games, and we play the entire year, and you're basically telling three of those conferences you're worth nothing, okay? You, it was a waste of time. You shouldn't have even played this year. Uh, that's ridiculous. Um, we, we can't keep doing this. Uh, you know, I know everyone has their opinions about who the best conference is. You, you can still have that. But that shouldn't determine, you know, a, a playoff spot. Get all these guys in there and let them let them fight it out. Then, um, there are so many teams in college football. You have to at least give the opportunity to the best of each region of the country. Okay, L let's do that. Please, please start doing that. Let's go to eight teams. Um, and on the SEC thing. Oh, my God, because it's always the SEC thing. Uh, look, I'm sorry, SEC fans. Bama is talented. Bama is probably the best team in the country. But I'm sorry, folks. One team doesn't make your conference, all right? You cannot and you should not be able to claim conference supremacy because you're hanging your coattails on Bama. Bama is Bama. Bama is built by Bama. That's the slogan because... Bama needs Bama. Bama doesn't need the SEC. The SEC needs Alabama. And sorry, Alabama is good. I don't know how good the SEC is. All right? 
I'm not saying the SEC is bad either. I'm not saying anybody is bad. Different conferences have different styles of football. Let's give them all a chance. Let's go to eight teams. Okay? That is my point. Let's do that. So that's my three cents on this whole playoff talk. You know, let, let's uh, let's discuss this whole Notre Dame non-conference, uh, not having a conference championship game. Uh, let's possibly, you know, nobody's talking about Ohio State. And then let's go to eight teams so we can avoid this. Just seems ridiculous. It seems like something that we can obviously and easily avoid. Um, so let's make it happen. Anywho. Uh, moving on, last segment of the show here. Let's do a little Big Ten pick em. <coughs> Excuse me. A uh, lot of interesting games this week, I guess we would say. Um, we're just going to go straight up uh, because I do not have the spreads in front of me. Uh, they have disappeared. But anyway, um, Ohio State at Maryland uh, leads us off. I'm going to go with uh, Ohio State to get that done. Um, to win on the road. Uh, Penn State at Rutgers. Come on, Penn State. Uh, Northwestern at Minnesota. That could be a good one. Uh, Again, because what Minnesota team are you going to (laughs) get? It happened again last week. They went out and just throttled Purdue. Um, So I I don't know what P.J. Flex got going on there. But if he can bottle it up and be consistent with these games, Minnesota could become dangerous. Um, but until that happens, I'm going to go with, actually, you know what? I'm going to say the Gophers get it done two weeks in a row. I'm going to take Minnesota in that game. Um, I, I really wouldn't be good, you know, for uh, Michigan and Ohio State's uh, case. It would probably be better that Northwestern win. But I'm just, I, I think Minnesota is going to do it. I really do. I think, um, I think they get it done. Not sure if it's a big one or whatever. I just think they beat Northwestern and win that game at home. Uh, Michigan State at Nebraska. Uh, if last week's any indication, uh, Michigan State, I feel like has thrown in the towel um, and has given up on the year. Uh, <laughs> uh, if any indication of that uh, if was needed, you could just look at the, the intentional sp- – uh, a snap out of the end zone uh, for Michigan State to take a safety uh, against Ohio State and then proceed to kick the ball out of bounds on the kickoff. So Ohio State gets good field position anyway. Uh, Michigan State just it feels like a team, kind of like a Maryland, that just this season needs to end. And I think Nebraska has got it turned around. You know, offensively, Nebraska's putting up some good numbers, you know. The fact that it's in Lincoln uh, could help. Uh, yes, Michigan State has a stout defense. However, I think this could be a uh, this could be one of those games for Scotty Frost that could really uh, get the team on the map and 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 get some good positive momentum heading into next year. Um, Iowa at Illinois. Uh, I think Iowa is going to pull that one off, but it wouldn't shock me if Illinois does. Um, but I'll, I'll go ahead and stick with the Hawkeyes there. Uh, Wisconsin at Purdue. 
Talk about two teams that you don't know what's going on, um, especially Purdue. I have no idea what's up with the Boilermakers. So I'm going to go with Wisconsin to uh, travel to West Lafayette and get that victory. And then I've already said that Michigan will get the victory on Indiana. So that's my lineup and setup this week. We'll take Ohio State, Penn State, uh, Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin and Michigan to round out the Big Ten slate of action. Uh, just like I mentioned earlier with the college football playoff rankings, my rankings would be exactly the same as theirs and exactly the same as last week. Uh, Bama 1, Clemson 2, uh, seems like they are a cut above the rest. Uh, Notre Dame 3, Michigan 4, Georgia 5 and Oklahoma 6 with just a smattering of you know your Oklahoma's or excuse me your uh, West Virginia's your Ohio states your Washington states god how fun would it be to see a Washington state Mike Leach in the playoffs come on that would be tremendous uh make it happen let's go to 8 teams uh please 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 let's go to 8 teams okay make it happen uh, and that's it. Uh, that's going to round out the show. That'll complete it. We are good to go here. Um, reminder that this is the Michigan Realist. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or concerns about the show, please, please don't hesitate to let me know at Zeltwanger40. That's Z E L T W A N G E R. Four zero at outlook.com or check a website at the Michigan Realist.weebly.com. Like to thank everyone for listening. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend and go blue.